turn in your Bibles to Zechariah 4. Now, the foundation of this house is Zechariah 4. And years ago, the Lord said to me in a dream, uh, you're having Zerubbabel's baby. Um, that message, you're having Zerubbabel's baby, wasn't for me. It wasn't a personal message, but it was a corporate message. And it was about what God is doing in the earth in this last generation. Because in Zechariah 3, what the angel of the Lord came to tell Zechariah was, I want you to rebuild the temple. Zechariah did two things. He led the second exodus and he built the second temple. And it's very interesting. All of, all of what has been prophesied by all of the prophets over this temple was never actually fulfilled through this temple. So therefore, we must... Um, we must um, understand that, that what he was talking about was not the physical temple, but the spiritual temple at the end of the age and when Jesus came. Because he said that, that Zerubbabel was going to lay the foundation of this temple and his hand was also going to come and finish it and bring the capstone to an entire generation in the same dispensation that Jesus, as the Son of God, laid the foundation. Did, did that just blow your brain? Did y'all are y'all are, are y'all okay? All right. So when I'm talking about the sons of oil, I'm going to give you uh, the crib note version of this. Um, in Zechariah four, what he was saying, he was saying is that, that listen, um, Jesus came as the son of oil, the anointed one, because he said that these two trees in this vision in Zechariah 4, were the anointed ones. Well, who was Christ? Christ means the anointed one. So, Jesus Christ, Jesus is his name, Christ is his title, that he is, was, and is to come. He is the anointed one. And when he came to live in us, when he did that deep dive, that moment of salvation, when we said yes, the anointed one came to live in us, so therefore we became anointed ones. And he said that, that in Zechariah 4, he said, listen, that, that I, Jesus came to lay the foundation of this temple, and it's a temple that doesn't have four walls made by man. But it's a temple that is made of flesh, and it's your, in, it's your body. And so he said, hey, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a body of people, and then I'm going to come and live in them, and they are going to become the anointed ones. And through the anointed ones, I'm going to bring the, uh, this uh, capstone, which a capstone is like putting a roof on a house. So he said, I myself laid the foundation. This is Jesus speaking. I myself, I laid the foundation as the anointed ones. Now, I am going to bring the capstone, the last generation. I'm going to tie it up and I'm going to do it through my anointed ones. That's Zechariah 4 in a nutshell. How did I do? What was that? Five minutes? Pretty good. All right. So, he did it in two ways. He did it through two people. He did it through Joshua, the high priest, and he did it through Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah, in the line of the king of David. So, you've got two offices here. You've got two branches. You've got the priest and you have the king. And he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to establish my government on the earth. 
And of its increase, there will be no end. And I'm going to do it through this way. I'm going to carry that very um, priest and king within myself. And, and Hebrews says, in fact, let's go ahead and turn there. Uh, I had you turn to Zechariah and I didn't read it. I just preached it. Hallelujah. Um, all right. Turn to um, Hebrews. Let's start in Hebrews 6. Because he said this. Now, if you'll notice, Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews. In the Old Testament, what God did is he purposely separated the offices of the priest and the king. Because when the priest and the king come together and you function in both, it is absolute power. Dave Slyker told me this the other day from IHOP. He's one of the senior leadership of IHOP. He said the reason that they were separated, the priests and the kings, because absolute power corrupts absolutely. But the blood of Jesus came through him dying on the cross so that we could be established and be victorious as functioning in the fullness of his authority, his governmental authority in the earth. Now, when we think about the kingdom, what do we think about? Because we're Americans, so we don't have a perspective. It's difficult for us to get a handle on what it means to be a monarchy, to be a kingdom. But, but a monarchy, a king, rules and reigns with absolute power. There's no, there's no, there's no voting. What he says goes absolutely So he's making us, through the blood of Christ, he said, now, I am going to enable you now to, to internal, internally rule through these offices of the priest and the king. And he tells us about it in, in um, Hebrews. Let's start in Hebrews 6, 19. And I'm going to read through um, chapter 7, verse 4. So we're going to start in 619. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. He, he, he is, this is the only place in the word of God where the forerunner, the word forerunner is used, where the actual, that, 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 that word is assigned, and a lot of people say that John the Baptist was the forerunner, but the word says that Jesus was the forerunner, and he came in this order of priesthood. Which is fascinating to me that he would even choose to, 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 to pull a guy from the Old Testament who was, who was barely even mentioned in the Old Testament. So he goes on to say, who is, the, who is this guy? He says this in, in, in chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, the king of Salem, 
the priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also the king of Salem, meaning the king of peace. So here you have Melchizedek and he's approaching Abraham and he brings to him the wine and the bread. And Abraham, just having gotten back from a tremendous battle where he battled several kings and victoriously is coming back on the road, right? Melchizedek meets him on the way and brings him the bread and the wine. Well, who is this Melchizedek? And he says, listen, he was the king of Salem. King of this, the word Salem or the, 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 the name of the place that he was king of means peace. Well, Salem is the same place as Jerusalem. He is the king of peace. He is the king of Jerusalem. And it says here that he was also a priest. So you have someone functioning in this order, which is a new type of priesthood that Jesus died on the cross so that we could become. Because he's talking about an internal rule. And he's saying to us over and over again, can an internal rule of a priesthood and a king be legitimate for the church? Can they function through this, this, this way of life? Or are they going to be looking again for a king to rule over them and tell them how to live? Because Jesus did not die on the cross to establish a religion. He died on the cross and shed his blood so that we could be restored back to the Father. So we could be reconciled back to the Father. And so we actually could be restored in this function of governmental authority. It's not about where we go on Sunday, but it's about who we are on Monday. That we are a priest and a king. I don't care if you are, if you sell buttons for a living. If you're an Indian chief, no matter what you do, you are a priest and a king. This is good news because we can all do this. Right? The seed of the government of the kingdom of heaven came upon salvation and is increasing in you personally and in the earth corporately. So if Jesus came to be a forerunner, he said this in, in chapter 7, verse 3, that, that Melchizedek was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor the end of life, but made like the Son of God and remains a priest continually. So who do you think that was that came upon that road and offered up himself to Abraham? And before the tithe was ever established, it caused Abraham to spontaneously give him 10% of everything that he had. 
was the son of God. He appeared. He didn't have a father or a mother. He didn't have a beginning or an end. But he showed up in the Old Testament to present himself as he would be later. And so he died on the cross so that there could be an inter- a people that functioned in the very same way. And I believe that today what the Lord is saying when he's talking about giving birth to Zerubbabel's baby, when he's talking about this, he's talking about us. He's talking about the sons of oil, the anointed ones who know what it is to go in before the Holy of Holies and carry the very flame of God and to look in his eyes and they're a flame of fire and they transform us into his likeness and then we step out into the community. We go to the place that we work and people are saying to us, there's something different about you. And you said, here, let me just go ahead and heal that broken ankle that you have. Let me pray for that broken heartedness. And so we're to be the in and out church. Right? It's not a hamburger. However, I love the animal style. Ow, ow! My son-in-law introduced me to animal style. Before that, I was really having to choke down a dry burger. No offense, in and out, if you see this. Um, all right, Revelation 1 6. John, here he is, hanging out by himself on the island of Patmos. And he says this He begins to talk, he begins to come with salutations and greetings. And he says this Let's start in verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, he's giving you a picture of Melchizedek here. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And so what he's doing here is he's actually in this verse, in, in, in uh, 1.6, he's actually talking about the priesthood even though he's saying he's mentioning kings and priests. Because he's, he's actually referencing the very same thing that he did in Matthew 6 when he was talking about when the, when the disciples says, teach us to pray. And, and so he's, he, he's, he's quoting this and he's saying he's made us priests and kings to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now turn in your Bibles to Revelation 5 verse 10. And, and he's, he's, they're singing a new song. Everyone in heaven singing a new song. And the song is this once again. 
You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. For, uh, this is verse 9. Um, for you are slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood and out of every tribe, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And so when he says it again, he's mentioning the priesthood. He's talking about the kings and he's saying, but now let me tell you what this is going to look like because all of heaven is rejoicing and singing a new song about this reality of this new race that Jesus came to create. That they will be established with the full governmental authority of heaven because they're functioning in these two offices. And so it, right here in verse 10, what he's talking about here is the kings. This is how they will reign. They will rule and reign and take dominion in this way. Does he say on earth? No, he says in heaven. No, he says on earth. These people will be on the earth and they will function in this way. And so I love, I love um, Zechariah 4 because Zechariah 4 attributes this reality of the priest and the king that it will come and he will make us into this. That it's on him and it's his responsibility to fulfill and complete the work that he starts in you upon the breaking in of the seed of salvation. Amen. That's good news. Yeah. How many of you know I can't be a priest and a king? And so he says this in Zechariah 4. This reality is going to come not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And so I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about these two offices and what this is going to look like for you. Because when Lord told me years ago, I want you to start a house of prayer, I pretty much thought that he'd given me a death sentence. Right? I mean, my understanding of prayer is that, you know, a bunch of people would get in a room and they would Shabbat up and, and, and contend from a list of, okay, here's a list of everything that we need to contend about. And, 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 and intercession is good, but so that's kind of what I knew about prayer. And then also I knew I was supposed to spend quiet time with the Lord, you know, but that really was just another word for a nap. And um, my kids were like, she's going to pray. <laughs> you know, and the only people that I knew that really prayed a lot were the grandmothers. And that wasn't, you know, I was just like, oh, I have a life, you know. I'm active. I'm type A. Well, actually, I'm, I'm like triple A. Triple A battery. <clears throat> and so I thought, you know, it's the worst thing you could possibly do. I mean, if you want me to build you a, a ministry since I had built several businesses before I got saved, I could do that, man. Let's get the game on. I'll go, I know why you came to get me because I'm going to build your kingdom because I'm going to get all about doing that Martha thing. You know, I had Martha down. Ooh. And, but what he was, he was doing in me is he was actually creating a priesthood in me because that's what he's after he's after that internal rule and he's like listen if you guys will just sit down for a minute and let me let me do what I'm good at I can make you into this and so I would like to tell you that I just had uh, that I just had this supernatural thing and um, you know grace on me to pray but what I had was supernatural obedience 
and I just said, uh, after, okay, I say that, and, and let me just tell you that he told me to start a house of prayer, and for two years I argued with him. Literally tried to give it away to Chuck Pierce and um, Terry Moore and Rick Pino and uh, Herman Martyr and Will Ford and anybody I could find. I was like, you need to go start house prayer. God said all of this. Now you need to go do it. And none of them were doing it. I was like, oh. And the Lord kept saying, no, no, no. I told you to go do it. So I said, okay, okay, I'm going to now pray about this for two years. Not having a prayer life. I'm going to pray about this for two years. So that's four years that I wrestled with God over starting house prayer. Yeah, so I'm, I, I was kind of slow in my obedience, right? So finally, I was like, okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. But here's the problem, God. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. So... You have called, like, this is you, on you. This is your mistake because you've chosen the wrong person. <laughs> I'm going to do it. So I went and sat in a room and prayed to an invisible God. And uh, the words, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, kept resonating in my mind because I was thinking, this is not working. All of my cleverness, all of my abilities. I had a very loud soul life. And it talked and talked and talked to me while I was in that place of prayer. And the Lord, listen, let me tell you something about prayer. Holy Spirit is jealous to lead you and to teach you how to pray. God's not looking for a form. He never has. He will tell you what you need to do to get to him. It's no mystery. And he, he really, really wants to do this because it's the desire of his heart to be intimate with his children, with his beloved, with his bride. And so, unless you're in our school, you need to ask the Lord how to pray. And when you get out of our school, you need to ask the Lord how to live this out <clears throat> victoriously. So, prayer is not a natural function for the human condition. It's not a natural function for the human condition. Sitting in a room, praying to an invisible God for hours is not a natural thing. But he said, if you seek first my kingdom and its righteousness, then what? Meaning... I'm going to build your kingdom. I'm going to take care of all of those things in your heart that are crying that you so desire. And at the time that he told me to come away in prayer, I had very little time in my life to pray. It was probably at the worst point in my life. My life had gone to, to the point where I had no time, I had no money, I had no nothing, had no energy. So it was a very, very difficult time in my life. That was the moment that I said, yes, okay, I'll pray. It made absolutely no sense in the natural. And then what happened through this time of prayer is he began to transform me on the inside and he also began to transform my mind. 
This is what dies in the place of prayer. All that stinking thinking that we, all the, the processing, the way that we process, because the thing about prayer that I didn't understand, and I thought it was the list, and I thought it was the begging, and I thought it was all of these things, but he said, no, 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 this isn't how I want you to do it. He said this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So if this is what he said, when the, if this is, you know, of course it's not that clear unless the mysteries, you know, is revealed to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But, he, but this is his response when the disciples said, teach us to pray. And so I want us to take a closer look there because I learned how to pray through the hand of God. I said, teach me to pray. That's all I knew to say. And so through that place of prayer, this is what he said. Number one, Jesus said, pray to your father. It is intimate. It is family. It is love. It's, it's very close to your heart. Number two, I want you to get into a posture of worship. Number three, this is not a dry and boring experience. But he said, heaven is going to open up over you. And you are now going to, to enter into a portal from heaven to earth. So you're going to begin to get God's perspective on who you are, what you're called to do, how you're called to do it, why you're called to do it, and when you're called to do it. So it's that place where it's the never failing life. You cannot not succeed in this realm. Because he set you up for success because his ways are higher than our ways. And he said, so you've got to come up into this place. And he, and he said, listen, and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to open up heaven. The, the, the place inside of you is going to burst forth. I'm going to burst forth. And then I'm going to do what? You're going to become one with me. You and I are going to abide together. And it's going to be the transformative DNA. It's that transfer of my bread and my blood. And it actually goes inside of you and begins to, to knit away all of the, the wrong thinking of who I am and who you are. And so in that place, what he does is he carves out the priesthood. So that you can be established in that office. And it's a place where he says you're going to be forgiven of the, the, all of the offenses. All of the ways that you're offended at me and all of the ways you're offended at each other. And you're going to be forgiven of your sin in this place. And it's not going to be like a begging thing. You're going to know that you've just been washed clean. In Zechariah 3, he talks to, to Joshua, the high priest, and he said, take off this turban and put on him a clean turban. Put a clean turban on his head so that his thinking is pure. 
His thinking is the way that I think because I'll guarantee you as you move out of that place of prayer and you begin to go out into the streets and you begin to give away God, if this has not been renewed, all they're going to get is you. And the world does not need more of us. He needs, the world needs Jesus full force. It keeps us from rebellion and it delivers us from Satan. It is Psalm 91 keeping you hidden in the shadow of his wings. So when you go into prayer, number one, you pray, your prayer rightly aligns you with the truth of heaven. Number two, it will establish your identity as a son and a priest. Number three, it will cover you with the shadow of his wings. Number four, it will be a place of seeking first the kingdom and approaching the king. Number five, you will have the perspective of heaven in all areas of influence. Beloved, can I ask you a question? Because everybody in this room has a job. Everybody. Whether you're in the ministry or not, everybody in this room has a job. That's your boss calling. (laughs) If you will give yourself to the priesthood, you will be so victorious and have such favor on you in the place of being a king in your work. Because you have gone to heaven to get his perspective on everything that's going on where you work. The people that have built their house on this, the priest and the king, built their house, built their businesses on this, I'm telling you, they are at the top of their game and they're the ones really making the big money. So if you, want, if you want to know how to make money, stop going around trying, get in the place of prayer, hear from heaven, and then go out and let God do it for you. Number six, you're cultivating the oil of intimacy. Mary poured out her oil of fragrance, and it cost her everything. She poured it on the head and the feet of Jesus. See, he's willing to make you this priesthood. He's willing to make this. And your part is you just have to come. You have to let your mind die. And you have to let your spirit come alive. Who are the sons of God? Those who are led by the spirit of God. All right, let's talk about the kings. What do the kings do? Pay for stuff. Pay for stuff. Here's what the kings do. (laughs) Preach the gospel with fire. That's what the kings do. Preach the gospel. Carry the gospel. Carry the oil. Carry the oil of intimacy. The sons of oil have their vessels filled. And then preaching the gospel is like taking fire and igniting that oil. Because we're called to be ministers that are flames of fire. So we go in. The oil of intimacy through that place of heaven. We go out and we ignite. We get ignited through the preaching of the gospel of his word. Amen? It's the in and out gospel. Luke 4.18 what did it say? That, that, why, Luke 4.18, it said that Jesus, when he first started his ministry, he goes to the synagogue and he pulls out Isaiah 61 and he reads this part of it. In Luke 4.18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me 
There it is, the oil of intimacy. Why? To preach the good news. To heal the sick, to cast out demons. To heal the brokenhearted. Freely you have been given, freely now give away. All right? He's saying this is the reality of the priesthood and the king. We can function in this way. Now, if I don't do that, if I'm over here, because here's what everybody really likes to do. They all like to be kings. I want to be kings. But if you are a king without being a priest, it is an illegitimate authority. And if you are a priest and stay in the place of prayer without preaching the gospel, it is illegitimate authority. Because he said, I have made you both of these, a priest and a king. Amen? All right. I'm going to tell you one more thing. And then we'll all go to lunch. Amen? All right. So Jesus um, meets up with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 24. Are y'all okay? Luke 24, verse 25. So he's hanging out with these two guys, and their countenance is, is really down and has fallen because Jesus, you know, they had such hope in Jesus being the king and rescuing them. And, but what happened is, of course, Jesus died on the cross. And so they were talking about it amongst themselves, and Jesus appears to them and begins to walk with them. But they, it says that, that his, their eyes were covered and they could not see Jesus as Jesus. So in verse 25, what did I say, 24? Yeah, 25. In verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, and all that the prophets have spoken, exclamation mark, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter, in, to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then go down to verse 32. So then they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? So he begins to talk to them about himself through the entire word. Wouldn't it be cool if he said, you know that guy Melchizedek? That was me. This is what I did. I showed myself over and over and over through the scriptures. Now when he talks about this, he's not talking about the New Testament. He's talking about the Old Testament. He was, he was saying, this was me. Let me show you how many places. And when they began to hear about him, about the story of Jesus, what happened? Their hearts began to burn within them. It ignited them. Beloved, I will tell you, there is a harvest that is waiting for the priests to step out of their places of prayer and begin to catch the fish that are jumping in the boat. Yes. Hallelujah. Come on. We were out this past weekend, EJS, 
and the Morningstar guys. It was so much fun. We went to Kaboom Town, which I thought was really um, a great word for what it was that we were doing. We were kind of bringing the kaboom. The kingdom boom. The kingdom boom. Thank you. And these, um, we walked up to these six. You know, it's so intimidating to walk up to strangers and to preach the gospel to them, right? But, but just as it was when I began my journey in prayer, it is the very same way as I'm beginning my journey as a king. Because in both instances, I, was, I, I, I had fear. Because on one, if I gave myself away to the place of prayer, I would have less time to build my own kingdom. I would have less time to, to network and to build influence and all of this. And so, so all of the things in my mind had to die. And so the, my, the priesthood came not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Now, on the other side of that, being kings, it is the very same thing. Because it is not natural to the human condition to walk up to a bunch of strangers and preach the gospel especially the gospel with power. So we walked up, awkwardly so, because it's never natural to walk up to a stranger and begin to approach them and talk to them about Jesus. They're there to see fireworks. They're there to celebrate the 4th of July. It never occurred to them. They didn't come to church, but church is coming to them. So we walked up to them and there were these six teenagers, all about 15 years old, 15, 16, 17 years old. They're so beautiful. You know, they were probably the cool people at their school, I'm pretty sure. And so, so you walk up to them, and, you, and, and really, with this scenario, in my natural mind, I'm thinking to myself, this is really going to be impossible. They're going to be like, Psh, whatever, peace out, see you later, whatever they say these days, I don't know. So we used to stay in the 70s. Um, we began to tell them about Jesus, and I saw six pairs of eyes open. I saw like the, the windows to their souls begin to receive the message of Jesus. I saw their hearts begin to burn within them for the message of Jesus because the message of Jesus is actually a supernatural message and it goes through all of those all of those boundaries they have set up. And so we we preach the gospel to these six. They all said yes. All six said yes. I want to receive right here at Kaboom Town Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and I'm going really? (laughs) that worked it's just like prayer when I started with prayer my goodness I'm going to heavenly places God is showing me the mysteries of the depths of of, of, of the kingdom and it's all becoming part of me Same thing with this reality, with this office. Why would he give us one and not give us another? Because we're called to be both. He is a good teacher. He's a good counselor. He's a good helper. He's a good God. So these these six got baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with fire. Then we went around and we... Not only did we prophesy over them, but there were accurate words of knowledge coming forth that we would have no way of knowing about them. 
We knew who their parents were. We knew, um, we knew uh, 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 with one girl, uh, I said, you know, I just feel like the Lord is saying that you're going to be called into the modeling profession. Well, everybody in the group laughs because she got a call from a modeling agency two weeks before offering her a job. So, so y- you're picking up on, and they're all just like, how are you doing this? And I said, this is natural Christianity. This is, this, is, uh, this is a supernatural life that we're all called to live. We ended up healing one of the guys, um, 17 years old, had had a stroke, and his arm was partially paralyzed, and his hand partially paralyzed, got instantly healed. So they, the kingdom just entered into everything that was happening there. Through the Morningstar kids, through the EJS students, we ended up seeing about 25 people saved, 14 people healed, and I, uh, countless numbers of prophecies and 250 free hot dogs. Isn't that awesome? And I'm telling you, guys, here's the beauty of it. Uh, it, the, The word said that if you believe, these are the signs that will follow you. And so it's for every believer. If you say you're a believer, here's what you will walk in. It didn't say if you're the elder of the church. Or you're or, or your Todd White, or your superstar evangelist, or whatever. It said that every single one of us will function at this level of power. Yeah. Amen? Amen? That's good news, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm telling you, like never before, the harvest is ripe. See, the devil cannot stand against such glorious power. The Holy Spirit is never, 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 never on the defense. He is always on the offense. We don't have to defend the gospel. We just have to let it out. We just got to let, as Reinhardt says, all you got to do is let the lion out. (laughs) So there's two things that will keep you from the priest and the king. I mean, there's one thing, really. And it's fear. And I refuse to have come this far in the kingdom and be stopped by fear that's just like this little bitty demon with a big mouth. Because we were created to function in the fullness of his government. That we will function in this, the fullness of this level of authority.